Welcome back to The Lounge. Now, tonight we've been talking about resilience, and so I'm absolutely thrilled to have special guest Krishna Ruparelia, who is a resilience coach and has created the Unshakable Resilience Program. Joining me, welcome to The Lounge, Krishna. Hi, Audrey. How are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. What about yourself? Yes, I'm very good, thank you. I had a very nice, relaxing weekend, so that always helps even better. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And I cannot wait to hear all about your Unshakable Resilience program. Please tell myself and the listeners all about what it is that you do. Yes, absolutely. So Unshakable Resilience was really set up and born out of my own story. So a few years ago, um, after being in corporates for over 16 years, working in different um, learning and development and leadership type roles, back in 2020, I was very, very ill. And, you know, I thought I had my life and my well-being completely sorted out and very organized. Um, I'm also a yoga teacher and I understand that body-mind connection. Mm -hmm. Um, I generally eat a healthy diet and I thought, you know, everything was going well, except, um, you know, I was driving to Warwick Business School one day and where I was working, looking after the MBA program. And my colleague came up to me and said, are you okay? And I had tears streaming down my face and something was definitely wrong. So, we, I was having conversations with the doctor about an underactive thyroid, which really does result in quite a lot of anxiety and just not having energy. And I think my biggest pain was that I lost my energy. And when you lose that energy, you know, life is all about energy. If you don't have the energy to live at your optimum, to co- accomplish things that you want to be able to get done, then it affects your quality of life. And I was unrecognizable, to be honest with you. So that was a a difficult journey. But through that breakdown came my breakthrough. And so I am very passionate about essentially, you know, bringing these tools and techniques to leaders, to um, busy professionals and increasing their capacity to deal with complexity. I love that. I love that. And it's really interesting. I've interviewed many practitioners on this show and all of them have said a lot of this has come out of personal change and a personal understanding. And I think that's one of the most important bits because you're really practicing what you preach. You have been through it. You have tried and tested a lot of these tools. You know they work. And I think that gives that extra amount of I guess, gravitas to to what it is you're doing. So with leaders and people in business and yourself, we get to that stage where we suddenly seem to break, whereas there are so many stages beforehand, perhaps, that we could have said, hang on a minute. Why do you think this happens? Why do you think we almost get to the point where we have that breakdown rather than going, wait a minute, I'm not quite feeling right here and then doing something about it see we have to recognize that our well-being is a system right physical emotional mental and we have a psychological system to ensure that we are at our optimum we need to be at the top of our (laughs) non-negotiables fundamental pillars that allow us to support our well-being on these dimensions 
I feel the modern way of living and I feel that the rapid change in the world of work, in the world of in the world around us has compromised that or rather um, it, it, it doesn't allow us to really focus and nurture these dimensions of who we are. Mm. And, you know, some of the statistics that I would love to share, nearly 40 percent of adults report falling asleep during the day without meaning to at least once a month. How many people do you know personally who struggle sleeping, either getting to sleep or staying asleep? And yeah, sleep is a fundamental aspect of how we function. Mm -hmm. And when our sleep is compromised, we feel irritated. We feel suboptimal, right? Um, I've got some other research that I would love to share as well. One in nine Brits only manage to exercise, you know, 20 minutes a day mm. and yet our body isn't designed to just stay stagnant hunched over a laptop for long periods of time you know one in two people will experience mental health challenges at work mm-hmm. so we have to recognize that the level of change has become even more rapid and yet our pillars of resilience that really allow us to optimize and to continue our functioning on a physical, mental, emotional, psychological level, we are not utilizing in its full capacity. So we've got a lot more pressure and the foundation of our existence is dwindling. Yeah, yes. You make so much sense. And I think one of the problems actually with our everyday life, because we stop, you're right, we stop worrying about going for that walk or we stop worrying about the things that make us fundamentally well and fundamentally fulfilled because we're getting a short-term hit with every achievement we're getting that little dopamine hit we're getting almost we're short-circuiting our well-being by these momentary fleeting the like on our phone the 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 fact that somebody said a nice comment who we don't even know and that's that's worrying do you think our problems with overcoming adversity are the fact we haven't quite adapted to this this lifestyle, the new changes, the social media aspect of what's going on. I think that the constant demands that are placed upon our nervous system means that we are constantly burdening our nervous system yes. and we are constantly in that fight or flight mode. Yeah. You know, if I wake up in the morning and I see... Um, And it's very interesting, right? You wouldn't invite 200 people into your bedroom first thing in the morning. And yet, if we open the app first thing in the morning on Instagram or on uh, Facebook, we have a lot of stories. We have a lot. That is jarring for our nervous system. Yes. We are overly stimulated. And not only that, you know, social media, whilst I'm I'm a fan of it for an a different level of purpose, I don't feel that it allows us to nurture our meaningful, deep, authentic connections. And again, we have to recognize that we are social beings, that we belonged many thousands of years ago in tribes. And so loneliness is number one factor that actually kills. Mm-hmm. Right? People people are, you know, every 45 seconds, somebody, somebody is committing suicide. And so... You know, we've talked about some of the the pillars, but we also have to recognize that our lifestyle choices, the fact that um, we are so uh, dependent on social media to get those 
you know, little snippets of dopamine is a way of our nervous system soothing the system. Yes. Trying to regulate the system and we're not. In the interest of regulating the system in a healthy way, how do we strengthen our pillars of resilience? So, very good question. The uh, What I've done is from my own experience of working with um, in different corporate organizations, working with leaders, um, implementing various different resilience programs, I've designed um, a unshakable resilience program, which is based upon four pillars. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to share that really, um, just to outline, you know, what it can actually do for people who might be interested to inquire about the program a little more. So the four pillars is really around managing your mind. That's the number one pillar. Yep. Because it's about creating capacity. And essentially, if we are if we are scanning the environment, looking for stra- alerts, and we are scanning the environment to check whether we are safe and we don't feel safe, means that we are constantly in that fight or flight mode. Combined with the fact that we are constantly stimulated by notifications, messages, you know, I'm having to manage LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, you know, Twitter, Pinterest, there is um, notifications from Outlook, there's Slack channels, there's Yammer channels, the list is endless, there are apps as well. And it is no wonder that we burden our nervous system in this way. What's more, were you ever taught how to manage your mind? When well, you this were- is it. That's the big question, isn't it? We're just told, calm down. Go and Absolutely. sit quietly. Yes. My mother, when I would like cry, she'd just say, okay, here's a chocolate. Now, when you are an adult, chocolate doesn't quite cut it, even though I do like my chocolate. Or or it does. And then we begin to rely on that and then Absolutely. other he- unhealthy choices like alcohol and so yes. on. Yes. And talking about those choices, you know, we are trying to soothe ourselves um, with, you know, these choices, whether it be um, constantly being on social media and uh, scrolling through our phones, whether it be work, you know, spending a lot of time um, binging on Netflix, whether it be, um, you know, addicted to alcohol or, you know, a lot more sugar. This is a way that we are trying to cope. So it's a coping mechanism right? It's a short-term coping mechanism. And whilst we feel great when we've had that glass of wine or we go to the pub or whatever for a few hours, believe you me, and I'm sure you'll relate to this and the listeners will relate as well, then the next morning, yes, the problems are still there. And you feel so much worse. And we feel worse because what we're doing is we're burdening that nervous system. Rather than nurture it, we are burdening it even more with toxins, right? So managing your mind is really about enabling people to create capacity to focus. Now, at the moment, we have an attention deficit. We can't focus for long periods of time. Our minds are constantly ruminating from the past to the future. And that oscillation of constantly ruminating creates havoc in the system. It also burdens us with feeling unhappy because there was a a research that was carried out by Harvard um, researchers and they had um, explored, you know, the, the, the levels of rumination and happiness. And they found that the more the mind is wondering, the more the mind is unhappy. 
So essentially, undivided attention requires a skill that we need to practice. Managing your mind, emotions and thoughts really allows the nervous system to emotionally regulate. It allows us to bring clarity in the mind so that we can make better decisions. Yes, I I love that. That's and so part of your your program is to teach people how to concentrate again, how to focus and how to to get that um i guess that headspace in order to then function healthily absolutely yeah so there are four pillars so that's the first pillar which is around mindset and managing your mind the second pillar is around self-care and it's about understanding the non-negotiables really understanding self-care through recognizing what is it that i need on any given day and then honoring that and really checking in with Okay, today I've had a very busy day, so I'm not going to spend time going to the gym and doing a two hour workout because that's not feasible and practically manageable. But what I can do is get away from my screen and have a half an hour break. And I'm going to maybe switch everything off as in away from technology and just get some fresh air. And the research shows again that 20 minutes of just walking Mm and actually create a change in the biochemistry of the brain. In fact, I was talking to my friend who's a researcher over the weekend, and she said that there is something very technical that I don't know the name of right now um, in the soil. Yeah. You walk and it creates, um, it has the same impact as an antidepressant. So that's why we feel good walking in nature. Yes. Yes, yes, barefoot walking, similar to when you're by the sea, it's got these minerals and ions in it, which can rejuvenate, love it, love it. Absolutely. So self-care is really about going back to honouring what you need. But before we can do that, we need to have an awareness of recognising what we need. So Mm. there's a self-awareness piece before that goes into you know, checking in with how are we feeling today and honoring that. I feel that quite often, especially during COVID, we lost our ability to really set healthy boundaries. Work was home and home was work. And many of us were juggling parenting and trying to homeschool our kids and, you know, trying to figure out what would happen to our aging parents. And, you know, it, it was even a different way of working where a lot of it is now hybrid, but we were working remotely there. So there was that real um, change rapidly. And so what Unshakable Resilience Program does is to enable people to create healthy habits and having the discipline to cultivate those resilience rituals on a day-to-day basis that can again nurture and support that system as a whole. And then the third and fourth pillar, if I share again, um, the, you know, the, the, the third and fourth pillar is really around nurturing meaningful connections, recognizing that we are social beings and only through deep and authentic connection can we create meaning, can we create connectivity. And so this particular pillar is really about recognizing that how can we build psychological safety so that people can feel themselves, they are able to bring themselves to work, they are able to bring their vulnerabilities and create humanness behind the job title. Yes, I love that. I love that because I think... Like coming from a business background like yourself, um, there is something to be said about emphasizing the human as opposed to the resources. And I think that's something that 
business schools have been working towards for a long time, but whether we're getting there is is quite another matter. But I love that. And I I myself would say self-care and boundaries sit together, boundaries being a form of, of self-care as well. So I love the pillars and I love that it's a very, it raises awareness and it's a very practical approach to how we can improve our lives and live the lives that we want. So, you know, I take leaders and their teams through a journey. The first one is around managing your mind. Second one is around self-care strategies. Third one is around developing meaningful connections. And the fourth one is around purpose-driven goals. Now, research shows that people who have a purposeful vision and a compelling why are able to withstand the um, short-term obstacles and the trials that they might be uh, experiencing, but they are then able to still be driven by that compelling future. Mm. So here in this um, pillar, you know, I, I'm encouraging a lot of leaders to think about their values that guide behavior, that really think about their strengths, that harness their own potential. Um, and then really the central piece really around starting with why. This is Simon Sinek's work that you may be uh, familiar with. Mm. So essentially, when we deliver the Unshakable Resilience Program, it allows um, human beings, it allows people to armor themselves so that they are able to give their work, they're able to give their home life, they're able to give themselves what is best of who they are rather than what is left of who they are. Now, digressing very slightly, but maybe not completely, as a practitioner, you also use the DISC psychometric, the D-I-S-C psychometric. And um, I know our listeners may be less familiar with psychometrics, but how do you find that works with building resilience? And if you don't mind giving a short summary of what the DISC tells us as well, that would be lovely, please. So how DISC works is that it allows us to understand our own individual preference mm in our own communication style, but it also allows us to then flex our style to accommodate the people that we are speaking to. So it's about valuing difference and working collaboratively so that we can get a win-win. So I'll give you an example. We are a blend of four styles. So for example, the two dimensions um, that are measured within the DISC profiling is really whether one person is task focused or whether they are more relationship focused. Now, this is not about putting people into boxes because I've heard that also from various people that I know that, oh, I'm, I don't really want to be put into boxes. Absolutely not. We're a blend of all four, but we will always have a home base. Yes. We will always have a preferred way of working. Okay, now that is great because that will create some level of strength in what we do, but it can over sometimes to the person who has a different style can also present it and perceive it as a challenge for them. So there's two dimensions, task-focused, relationship-focused. And then there is also the other orientation, which is about pace. So does the person speak quite fast mm. or are they a bit more um, slower and steadier paced 
which, you know, where they want to take their time in getting things done. Now, there is no good or bad. There is no better or worse. There is about an understanding and having an appreciation of what people bring in their team or to the team. And we have to remember that it's about recognizing our unique style. If you have a fast-paced, task-oriented communication style, then you are known as a doer, which means that you want to be able to make quick decisions. You want things that are fast and efficient. If you are fast-paced and people-oriented, relationships really matter to you. Then you are also known as an influencer, which means that for this individual, nurturing that relationship is going to be really important. Steady-paced and people-focused are known as supporters. These are individuals that have a preferred style of communication that they value harmony and peace and averse to conflict um, within the team environment. Mm. And steady-paced and task-oriented are very analytical. They're logical-minded. They like to take time to get things done and they like to get it done right and they're known as considerers now just by outlining the four different styles do you think that a fast-paced task-oriented doer might have a little bit of tension potentially with a steady oriented task-oriented considerer Mm, very much so one person who wants to get things done really really fast and it's great but sometimes they might miss the detail Mm. on the other hand we have a steady task oriented individual who wants to be very detailed might slow things down in decision making but wants to get it right Mm. so how do we enable people to gain an awareness that you're perfect the way you are and I'm perfect the way I am. But how can we bring our skills together and approach the world, the, the work that we're doing in an agile way so that we can value each other's differences? Mm. So that's the beauty of DISC. It allows for an open dialogue. Yes, yes. And with that, I can see how it relates very much to your pillars of resilience because your pillars of resilience include connection, they include self-awareness and they include achieving goals as well and so by being able to relate better with others actually you get the job done and have you really lost that much by changing your approach it's the problem I think I find and I see in people is that when you have that conflict your mind is so and this is where your mindset part comes into it the mind is so clouded that all you want to do is win you want it your way. It has got to be the way that 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 comes across, and and that can be a real hindrance overall to the working environment. So I th- I can see where DISC is really powerful. Oh, absolutely. And if we have a look at Gallup's research, only seven percent of people are engaged at work. <laughs> and you know, most of the time, it's like thinking of a time where you've really enjoyed a piece of intervention that you're implementing or that you've enjoyed working and delivering for a client or that you've enjoyed a a, a former um, organization that you worked in. It's often down to the fact that I really liked it because of my colleagues. Yes. 
right? I really liked it because of my clients. And so making sure that we can all work collaboratively just allows us to achieve a lot more as a team. Mm. Yes, very. very Productivity and, uh, you know, and improves results. So, yes, it is a tool. It is not a silver bullet. And we use it really on the basis of creating an open dialogue to bring about self-awareness. I think that's a very important point as well, though. All of these are tools. They are not silver bullets. They are not guaranteed this is the only way that's going to work but at least the more tools we have the more likely we are to find something that works for us thank you so much for your time krishna this has been absolutely fascinating where can we find out more about you maybe book onto your cause and so on please Absolutely. So the best thing that I would say is I'm very proactive on LinkedIn. So please do send me a message on LinkedIn. Um, You can drop me an email at krishna at unshakableresilience.co.uk. My website is currently being uh, revamped. So probably better if you were to contact me directly and I offer 60 minute free discovery calls as well, just really to elaborate that, yes, of course, the Unshakable Resilience program is here. And of course, it is um, something that I offer. However, it's not a generic program for every client out there. So the approach I have is a real three-step process. I go and consult with the clients and really understand their people challenges. I then design um, a bespoke unshakable resilience program, which is very aligned to meeting the needs and the deliverables of the client. And then I deliver it as well. So it's a very tailor-made approach. Um, But of course, yes, we have a generic program as well, which um, I am looking to launch in the very near future too. Wonderful. Well, perhaps you'll join us again and talk about that then. I have loved talking with you. This has been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Audrey. Thank you for your time and uh, thank you for having me.